Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before God, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to unreachable heights to us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed, as before, all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, ignorance, all of this. Let it depart from the tents of your holy nation and stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. May the service be presented into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated.
And so, as always, before we continue to submerge into the depths of our inheritance, to study it, the unchanging epigraph of our study of our inheritance in Jesus Christ is Luke 24, 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And for us as partakers of the body of Christ to share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we shall continue our study of our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit in what is necessary to be done from our side so we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life and put on the new form of life. Ephesians 4, 22-24 That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And to fulfill this command, we had been studying three charging and fundamental verbs, and these are put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting actions, to put off, be renewed, and put on, will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. Or more specifically, will the accomplishing of our salvation come to pass that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it forever? In result, then our names be blotted out of the book of life, although they may have been written there at one time. In a specific format, we have already looked at the first two questions and have been studying the following question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of dressing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus, in righteousness and holy truth. And when we speak of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that contains the power of the resurrection of Christ in the all-armor of light, we've concluded that we need God's help in the form of His redeeming mercy. The means of receiving any kind of help in the form of the inheritance of the mercies of God is weaponry of prayer or worship in spirit and in truth. Since prayer isn't just a man's means of communicating with God, but also a kind of legal and sacral right that a man gives heaven, a tool that activates the given law of God. Man gives heaven this right so that heaven may intervene upon the territory of earth. A special person, a warrior in prayer, considering that the most powerful form of prayer is continual prayer. 
that does not back away from its goal until what it asks for is received. We together have been studying the format of continual prayer and the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, being a continual remembrance or memorial before God. The power of such a prayer is called to demonstrate the unlimited authority of God over our Genesis in the allotted by Him for us time and boundaries. Due to this, we came to the necessity to study the gold God pursues in His intentions when He urges and calls His children to become warriors in prayer, to be mediators, and also in what way and upon what conditions God is able and desires to give man the right to become a warrior in prayer so that man can present the interests of God in implementing his inheritance in God. Our inheritance is God's goal. This is his will. According to the revelation of Scripture, our prayer as a warrior in prayer is identified in the virtue of 12 precious stones of the breastplate of judgment and it needs to be, our, our prayer needs to be continual, persistent, diligent, with boldness, with reverence, with faith of your heart, with thanksgiving, with joy, in the fear of the Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, or praying in tongues. In the previous services, we in a specific format have already looked at the essence of the first eight components that identify the state of the heart of a warrior in prayer as well as the quality of his prayer. And stop to study the ninth component, quality of continual prayer. This is the presence of the fear of the Lord in prayer or prayer that is made in fear of the Lord. But first, I would like to once again present the antonym or opposite qualities of prayer that have already been a part of our studies, because understanding the context or background of each quality, we will better understand the quality and character of true prayer. So, for example, the antonym of continual is unfaithful or not continuing. The antonym of persistent is resistant. The antonym of diligent is lazy. The antonym of boldness is audacity. The antonym of reverence is forsaking or hatred. The antonym of the faith of God is unbelief or resisting the faith of God. The antonym of thanksgiving is unthankful, hard-hearted, or stiff-necked. The antonym of joy is sorrow or brokenness. The antonym of the fear of the Lord is the fear of man. As in the previous qualities of prayer, it is necessary for us to look at four classical questions. First, from what wellspring does the fear of the Lord flow? And what qualities or criteria does the fear of the Lord have? Second, what purpose is the fear of the Lord supposed to fulfill within our relationship with God, with each other, and with all of the world? Third, what price or what conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can be filled with the fear of the Lord in prayer? Or how do we keep or increase the fear of the Lord within our heart? And fourth, by what results do we need to examine ourselves on the presence of the fear of the Lord within our heart? In, a previous, in the previous services, we in a particular format together have studied the first question and stopped to study the second. We have noted that the fear of the Lord and the fear of man are two absolutely different programs that come from two diametrically opposite wellsprings, identifying the program of eternal life that comes from God, containing the quality of the nature of God, and the program of eternal death that comes from the entrails of the fallen cherubim, containing his quality and his nature. 
We know that the first Adam, due to his disobedience to God, was transformed into the programmable system of the fallen angel and inherited from him a program opposite of God's fear, which was passed down to all mankind and came to be called the fear of man. The character included in the fear of the Lord, as with the previous qualities, is prescribed in Scripture for creating prayer as a commandment, as a requirement, a direct order that can't be ignored, and if not fulfilled, will then produce a verdict of death or a final break or a peaceful relationship, break of your peaceful relationship with God. The fear of the Lord as a program identifying the life of God is identified as the spring of the wisdom of God and as a carrier and demonstrator of this wisdom. This is not emotions. This is information. And as a program, it is able to exist and demonstrate itself in nothing else but a programmable system, identifying the wisdom of the heart, which is the heart of a born-from-God man that becomes a possessor of a faithful mind abiding in the commandment of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. His praise endures forever. Psalm 110.10 We've noted that the reason for many misconceptions and wrongs is what our mind is dependent on or upon. If we place our mind in dependence of man, we will be pleasing because of our weakness, their ignorance, and their religious ambitions. If we place our mind in dependence of the traditions of man, then for the sake of those traditions, we will remove or move from the, move the commandments of God aside. If we place our mind in dependence of logical thinking or obtained experience, then we also will be far from the fear of the Lord. As the fear of the Lord, as the wisdom of God isn't against logical or rational thinking, but because of its eternal being or existence and its exalted nature in the fourth dimension, it does not depend on logic and governs logic. Therefore, only when we, contrary to many human authorities, place our mind in dependence from the revelation of Scripture, that, that is when we will be able to f be filled with the fear of the Lord demonstrated in His divine and exceeding wisdom. We know well that the world that we live in has many forms of existing fear and even more phobias of fear, and practically the entire world is underpinned by fear and phobias. In the last times, it will, the world will literally be trembling because of fear, together with fleshly Christians. But all of these forms of fear come from well, one wellspring, the fallen cherubim. These fears were inherited from the first Adam when he sinned and were passed on genetically to all mankind. And further, all of these forms of fear do not parallel or identify with the unique and great nature of fear that comes from God and is passed down by right of birth from God to man. We need to keep in mind that there is a healthy form of fear that exists as well. This is a format of healthy thinking that does not yield suffering. Any form of fear that does not come from God yields suffering. At the same time, the fear of the Lord prompts a trembling reverence before God and an unexplainable admiration as it places man in the safest place called God. As it is written, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love, 1 John 4, 18. 
Therefore, if our worship is not done in the fear of the Lord, containing with, contained within the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment, then it can, cannot be accepted by God. And that is specifically why any attempt to enter the presence of God, to call upon God, or to serve God without the presence of the fear of the Lord, deeply offends God, does not consider God, and actually resists God. The absence of the fear of the Lord within the heart of a man testifies about the fact that this person is bound by the fear of man or human fear. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelations 21.8 That entire line of people marching into hell, those at the front are the cowards and lead the unfaithful, the murderers, sexually immoral people, and all the rest that follow. Cowardly people are people who perfectly understand what the truth is but do not want to pay the appropriate price for it. They do not want to pay the price. They want to receive everything freely by grace. Not understanding that freely by grace, we're given in the form of a seed, everything freely by grace, but then by pressing into it, you then obtain the kingdom of heaven. That the law of grace is given is giving strength to man so that he may grow every seed of promise. Not a single promise has ever been given to anyone in the form of fruit. He wanted us, ourselves, to produce this fruit. He gave it to us in the form of his seed, the seed of his word. That's how he said it to Mary, if you remember. Mary said, how can this be? I do not know a man. And the angel said, angel Gabriel, the power of the Most High shall come upon you, and that which is born of you shall be holy. And she said, let it be according to your word. And immediately in that moment when she said, let it be according to your word, then the seed of the word that that the archangel gave her, the word that he gave her, it was transformed or she was conceived by that word. And she conceived. Therefore, the word fear, wisdom, and commandment when it comes to the nature of God are identical as they identify the moral virtues of God. And because they are identical, the one word describes the other word as they come one from the other and authenticate one the other. This is specifically why the fear of the Lord is the true wisdom of God presented in the commandment of the Lord. At the same time, true wisdom in the commandment of the Lord is identified as the fear of the Lord, identifying the given law of God. In other words, the fear of the Lord is information. This is the faith of God. Question two, what purpose does the fear of the Lord have in our relationship with God, with each other, and with all of the world? Studying the purpose of the fear of the Lord, we need to keep in mind that the boundaries of the fear of the Lord as the program of God are restricted to the boundaries of the heart of the one that fears God and the boundaries of this person's knowledge of the fear of the Lord. Those who fear God not all have the same level or understanding of the fear of the Lord because this is the given law of God, God's wisdom, and the deeper a person understands it, 
the greater level of knowledge he will have of it in a specific format. We have already studied nine purposes of the fear of the Lord contained within the heart of a person who fears God and stop to study the tenth purpose. I will remind us of the nine that we've already studied and will continue on the tenth so that we can refresh this in our mind. What were these uh, goals that the fear of the Lord pursues? Or the purpose of it. The purpose of the fear of the Lord, being the equivalent of love for God, is called to cast out the fear of man, which produces suffering. The purpose of the fear of the Lord is called to give those who fear God a banner so that they display it on behalf of the truth, to be delivered from the enemy. The purpose of the fear of the Lord is called to bring forth the mercy of the Lord upon those who fear God, with the purpose of removing their transgressions so far as far as east is from the west. The purpose of the fear of the Lord is called, by the means of the mercy of the Lord, to separate men who fear God from those who do not fear God, by rewarding one or pouring out his vengeance on the other. The purpose of the fear of the Lord in the heart of those who fear God is called to turn God's favor upon them. The purpose of the fear of the Lord is called to lead those who fear God into the inheritance of the covenant of the Lord, to give them food so God could give them the lands of other nations. The purpose of the fear of the Lord is called to make those who fear God a tool of vengeance upon the angry Gentiles, to destroy them for destroying the earth. The purpose of the fear of the Lord is to call those who fear the Lord to praise and glorify God. This is so that God not despise or abhor their affliction and that God not hide his face from them when they cry out to him. The purpose of the fear of the Lord gives us the ability to not find lawlessness when we search our heart, which provides God a basis to hear our prayer when we confess our sin, which has taken hold of us as a stranger. And tenth, the purpose of the fear of the Lord within a person that fears God is called to provide God grounds to dress him into the eternal mercy of God. That is their new person. Psalm 118, 1-24 O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say, the, his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say, his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, his mercy endures forever. I called on the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do to me. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me, yet they surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They surrounded me like bees. They were quenched like a fire of thorns. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. You pushed me violently that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. 
The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them, and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. I will praise you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118, 1-24. We've noted that when the scripture refers to any sort of seed, then it means a program that is contained in the seed. When the scripture referred to a fruit, then it means the fruit that is grown from this seed. It is the joint work of the Holy Spirit, God's delegated person, and you to grow fruit within your heart, identified as the tree of life, containing the fulfillment of accomplishment of all of the promises of God, which are the oath promises of God that God is vigilant over so that they be fulfilled. Considering this, God has appointed each of these three participants, the Holy Spirit, God's delegated person, and you, with their own role that cannot be switched out or replaced with the other, the role of the other. Ignorance regarding your role will bring the role of the Holy Spirit and God's delegated person to nothing. When, when in Paul, and who is Apollos, what ministers through whom? So Paul and Apollos, these are God's delegated people, and our faith is our collaboration. Again, who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and the one who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's fields, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on is endured, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. 1 Corinthians 3, 5-15. According to this place of scripture, we conclude that the role of the delegated person of God is by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to plant and water the seed of the word of every promise of God within our heart. The role of God is to grow the seed of promise within our heart into fruit, identified as the tree of life. Our role is that we build upon the offered to us foundation, build from materials of gold, silver, and precious stones, as materials of wood, hay, and straw will quickly burn with fire when tested, and our labors and work will have been in vain. Building of wood, hay, and straw happens when a person confesses the promises that do not exist in physical time as, the, as that they do exist, but at the same time does not die for his nation, his house, and his corrupt desire. If we confess the promises or the promise of being dressed into our new person, we haven't died for our nation, our house, and our corrupt desires, then our work will be in vain. And the reason for such reckless confession is the absence of the fear of the Lord within the heart of this person. When a person 
dies for his nation, for his house, and for his corrupt desires, proclaiming promises not existent in physical time, as that they do exist, he then builds with gold, silver, and precious stones. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, first you need to lay aside, and then only as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. That doesn't mean it's as milk. It's written, love as a newborn babe, love milk. A a baby doesn't uh, consume any other food except breast milk, the milk of his mother. He says, as a newborn babe desires the pure milk of the word. That's how you need to love it. Many say, see, this is the milk that we're supposed to take in. There is milk and there's also hard food. But the scriptures say you need to love the word as a newborn babe loves milk. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. You have tasted that the Lord is good, that he is gracious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And so yourselves, it doesn't say you need to be as this hay, but as living stones, you are to be built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. First Peter 2, 1 through 5. According to the above revelation, we conclude that the purpose of the fear of the Lord within the heart of those who fear God is called to change those who fear God from being the seed of Israel into the house of Israel and house of Aaron upon the condition that they put off of themselves the old man with his deeds. Therefore, to be the house of Israel and coming from her house of Aaron means to be a member of the New Jerusalem, which has twelve pearly gates and the tree of life growing in the midst of the new Jerusalem, bearing twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month and leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. According to the elements of the given allegory, the subject is the new Jerusalem that is located on earth in existing time. This new Jerusalem is the chosen by God remnant identifying the bride of the Lamb. Since in heaven or in the new heaven and new new earth, the need for healing won't exist for the nations that will be there because the nations that will be able to enter the heavens live in the aspect or state of eternal life as the angels of God and are not able to get sick. Therefore, the purpose of the fear of the Lord within the heart of those who fear God is called to heal their bodies and eliminate all curses from their body to build them into the house of Israel and the house of Aaron. Looking at the definition of the fear of the Lord within the heart of those who fear God, we will need to answer two questions. First, what criteria do the scriptures attribute to the house of Israel and the coming from her house of Aaron within the heart of those who fear God? And second, what goal does God pursue in dressing our body into the house of Israel and the coming from her house of Aaron? We will remember that identifying the house of Israel and the coming from her house of Aaron We are identifying the characteristics of our body dressed into the fruits of the tree of life, which is our new person. The house of Israel of the twelve tribes, called by the names of the sons of Israel, the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham. Therefore, the symbol of the house of Israel within the heart of those who fear God are the twelve pearly gates with the twelve names of the sons of Israel opening the way to the tree of life. 
considering that in Scripture the number 12, as the 12 names of Israel, is a symbol of management, identifying the order of God's theocracy within the heart of those who fear God and the virtue of their royal calling. We came to the conclusion that the symbol of management in the 12 names of Israel is the name of the Lord upon the foreheads of those who fear God that is called to demonstrate itself in the renewed mind of those who fear God. The mortal bodies of those who fear God, not looking at the existing in these bodies law of sin and death, are beginning to be controlled by the power of their renewed mind who, in the example of Moses, drawn from the water or risen from the dead, confronts the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, representing the mind of man. The symbol of the house of Aaron within the heart of those who fear God is their right not only to be kings to God, but also priests to God. Therefore, a symbol of the house of Aaron within the heart of those who fear God are the twelve precious stones of the breastplate of judgment with the twelve names of the sons of Israel, enveloping the house of Aaron into the power of a warrior in prayer, which provides God grounds to perform power, which will turn those who fear God into his eternal mercy. By the means of his eternal mercy, God will dress the body of the one that fears God into the fruits of the tree of life, grown within the heart of the one that fears God. This is their new person created in accordance to God, in Christ Jesus, in righteousness and holy truth. Therefore, studying question 2, what goal does God pursue in dressing our mortal body into the house of Israel and the coming from her house of Aaron, we conclude that the scripture called those who fear God by the means of thanksgiving to turn God, God's fear upon them, which is the equivalent of the mercy of God, to eradicate the enemy that lives in their body and out of their body as well. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. Let the house of Aaron now say his mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say his mercy endures forever. Psalm 118, 1 through 4. The word now is used three times in the given place of Scripture and means today, immediately, at this time, when you hear this. Therefore, the word now is a symbol of the word of faith received by a revelation of the Holy Spirit in our heart, which is used for fulfilling what is hoped for and confidence in the unseen. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Confession that is in accordance to the will of God in the dimension of time provides God a basis to accomplish the promises confessed in the dimension of time or in real time. The word and phrase, give thanks, activating the word now, when it, it, it's regarding God, possesses a surprising consistency identifying the collaboration of man with the mercy of God. Accomplishing your role in giving thanks, man provides God grounds to accomplish his will, to eliminate all the enemies of man that are also the enemies of God, and dress man into his mercy. To give thanks means to shoot with an arrow into the appointed by God goal, to throw a stone into the head of your Goliath with a sling, using a spear or lance, nail down the sin of adultery, to admit and confess your sin before God, to tame or manage the anger of God's wrath by condemning your sin, withhold your anger and calm yourself by me meditating about God, to bring God's heart peace, to thank God for redemption from the sinful body, to praise and give thanks to God for the works he has done. In Hebrew, the phrase to praise God means to praise Yahweh or hallelujah. This is practically the formula of worship and thanksgiving of the Israelites that served God, that just as the word amen has been adopted by other languages without change.
Because the phrase praise Yahweh is placed first in David's, in David's psalm, we conclude that the author is specifically inviting those who fear God to share with him his extra, extraordinary calling, aim to destroy the enemy within your body as well as out of your body so that you can dress your body into the mercy of the Lord or resurrection of Christ. Therefore, those who fear God are people like the author of the psalm in that they know who God is to them and what God has done for them to redeem their, them fully so that their spirit, soul, and body would be partakers and messengers of the glory of God upon earth. However, not all can praise God, but only those who have the legal foundation and right to do so. That is only those who fear God. If a person does not have within himself the fear of the Lord and dares to praise God, then he commits a malicious act against the name of the Lord. The Ten Commandments contain one commandment that warns man not to take the name of the Lord God in vain. That is, uselessly. This is the third commandment given to protect or defend the worthy name of God. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Exodus 27. In vain is unlawfully not having a legal foundation or legal grounds for. This directs us to the fact that to give thanks and praise God is something that only those who fear God can do, those that possess the ability to perform righteousness. Only the fear of the Lord and those who fear God gives them the legal right to demonstrate the redemption of Yahweh and His mercy, to make Him known in heaven, on earth, and in hell. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his work is done in truth. Psalm 33, 1-4. The word beautiful in this situation is beautiful for the upright to praise. Beautiful in this situation is satisfying the demand of God, fitting for the use of the Holy Spirit, worthy of God, and by His demonstration of holiness, prepared to immediately fulfill the will of God. Looking at these characteristics, we conclude that if a man does not possess the qualities in the likeness of God, then his thanksgiving before God is nothing more than an abominable nature of work, only an imitation of thanksgiving. This is why sometimes it appears to be a well-prepared song according to the demands of the truth. However, that is correctly, the correct words are, are being sung. However, you experience some kind of disharmony and an inner rejection and unpleasantness to when you hear it. The true meaning of thanksgiving to God is not just a poem or song that praises God, it is a life that is dedicated to God, where everything is done for God's sake, in the name of God, and in God. Looking back at our primary subject of study and the pl place of Scripture, we've noted that in Hebrew, thanksgiving to the Lord directs towards those who fear God, means first calling upon the name of Yahweh, proclamation of the works of Yahweh in the nations, the demonstration of the goodness of Yahweh founded upon His eternal mercy, and thanking Yahweh for redeeming the spirit, soul, and body. We note that to call upon the name of Yahweh is practically glorifying and praising God for the work of redemption that He has done for those who fear Him. When it comes to man, to call upon God means to listen to God with the readiness to immediately fulfill what you hear. Proclaiming the works of Yahweh in the nations means make the name of God known to make His works public present evidence of what belongs to God and what doesn't belong to God, 
what is abominable to him and prompts his wrath and anger. These are the works that pertain to us personally, that people without our participation wouldn't be able to ever see. And such works is our personal life and our personal testimonies, where only those works that were done with us changing our character into the character of his son Jesus Christ are shown. Demonstrating the goodness of Yahweh founded upon his eternal mercy means perform good identified or defined as the will of God. Only that good is good that is in accordance to the will of God. The definition of the goodness of God is the will of God contained in his word that God has magnified above all his name being obedient to his own word. To thank Yahweh for redeeming our spirit, soul, and body means confessing the faith of the heart for redeeming our body that the Lord has already accomplished and placed upon our account in Christ Jesus. Further, to praise Yahweh, it is necessary to apprehend specific principles and specific formula included in the short phrase, let Israel now say, being the unique method by which God creates and keeps the visible and invisible world. Let Israel now say, His mercy endures forever. Let the house of Israel now say, His mercy endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord now say, His mercy endures forever. Psalm 118, 2-4. Now say is a commanding and governing phrase containing contained within the fear of the Lord addressed to those who fear God and is elevated to a rank and position of a commandment and is repeated three times in the command to those who fear God. <clears throat> we need to consider that this formula implies and comes from a somewhat reality present in the heart of a man. If a person confesses with his mouth something that is not a reality of his heart, this formula will not work. To make your body the house of Israel and coming from her house of Aaron, we are called to proclaim the goodness of God as a result of his eternal and unchanging mercy. And such a demonstration is interconnected to the service of priesthood, where we are called to dedicate ourselves to God, to kindle or ignite our lamp, to offer sweet aroma, to place the showbreads and sprinkle blood upon the burnt offering. And we are called to be such priests of God, not because of our gifts or some kind of accomplishments, but because of the magnificent goodness of God founded upon His eternal mercy. Behold, I am building a temple for the name of the Lord of my God to dedicate to Him, to burn before Him sweet incense for the continual showbread, for the burnt offering, morning and evening, on the Sabbaths, on the new moons, and on the set feasts of the Lord our God. This is an ordinance forever to Israel. Second Chronicles 2.4 <clears throat> Each of the aspects of service of priesthood is the result of the goodness of God based upon or founded upon His eternal mercy. Therefore, this short phrase identifying the governing of the fear of the Lord is the principle and demonstration of the commanding formula of all godly authority. Specifically, it is the authority of all forms of life and the beginning of all creation that exists, shown by God in His artistic creation and blessing, as well as His artistic work of destruction and curse as well. This formula 
of all authority in the short phrase now say implements or lays out the boundaries of everything under heaven and pushes these boundaries apart as well. In other words, it restricts and removes restriction and brings to fulfillment the principles of blessing and curse. The godly phrase comes from and is parallel or equal to the phrase let there be or let it be that first came from the mouth of God and bore the foundation of the visible universe. The first word let affected the second word be is the definition of one of the concealed in mystery names of God Yahweh, the essence of which means let is present, I am, who is, and Yahweh, eternal life, the eternal covenant, life that does not have a beginning or an end. The thought of God embodied in the word of God, a worshiper of his own word, one who bound himself by his own word, vigilant over his word, the bearer and lord of the Genesis, the lawgiver of life and death, master and commander of life and death, pursuing and with his law the good goals, redeemer of his nation and the faith of God and eternal mercy. There are many more definitions also. There are many of them that are within the word let. There are all of the names of God. This is the name Yahweh. And this name, <clears throat> this is the first that resounded in the universe and it activates, activated the word be which brought forth action looking at these definitions we conclude that the final purpose or goal of the fear of the Lord contained the, containing the eternal redemption of God is the literal intention and goal of God to dress the body of man that fear God into his eternal mercy identified as the energy of eternal life and for this reason, God called man that fear his name to collaborate with him, offering him his fear, in his fear, the power of his name and the form of his word and the formula now say, which God, God has magnified above all his names. First, this word presented in the formula now say, identified as the governing of the fear of the Lord, is called to identify the covenant of God, containing the goal of that covenant, demonstrating the virtue of our name or our good destiny in God called to adopt our spirit, soul, and body. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in, the, in their generations, for an everlasting covenant to, to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. 
Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male child in their generations. He who is born in, the, in your house or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendants. He who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Genesis 17, 1-16 And to provide God grounds to fulfill his will in the given covenant and dress our mortal body into his eternal mercy that is into our new person, it is necessary for us to fulfill our role, consisted in two things or two conditions. First, <clears throat> the first condition is to make a covenant with God by circumcising the foreskin, which indicates death to all that is connected to the flesh that is our old man or person with his deeds. Second condition is to confess the faith of your heart, identified as the faith of God that contains the promise of dressing our mortal body into eternal life, proclaiming the non-existent as existent. I will give you the land of Canaan as an inheritance. You know that the physical land of Canaan is not eternal because it shall be burned. But when God says he, he intended, he meant our bodies. I shall give you your body for your possession. And so, in order to do this, it is necessary that they call each other differently, that they call each other as if it already happened, because God, when he did, he did this and he wanted to, and when the time comes and the seed shall mature, we calling each other this way, we are growing, may it be according to your word, let it be, or may it be, or may it not be. And secondly, the word presented in the formula now say identifies as identified as the governing of the fear of the Lord is called to identify power in the covenant of God to the right to bless the vessels of blessing and condemn uh, to death the vessels of wrath. Then they called Rebecca and said to her, Will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebecca, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men, and they blessed Rebecca and said to her, Our sister may May you become the mother of thousands of ten thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. Genesis 24, 58-60, the gates or our enemy's place of living, being our old person with his deeds, is our body. It says, may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. <clears throat> and so not you, but your descendants may possess the gates of those who hate them. That is, our enemy it lives within our body, and we need to possess our body. The right to the blessing to possess the house of your enemies, Rebecca received after she fulfilled two conditions. First condition consisted in the time of the evening. 
Evening is always the harvest, the last time. Evening, when the young women went out to draw water from the well, this was the uh, regular thing done by all, all the young women in that place. And so this was the first condition. When the young women went out to draw water from the well, she gave drink to, drink to Eleazar and his ten thirsty camels. And we know that Eleazar is the Holy Spirit and the ten thirsty camels are the law. <clears throat> that was thirsty. In other words, God and his law showed his thirst. He wanted to satisfy the law. He, it wasn't called to destroy Rebecca. Rebecca was able to bring peace to God by, by satisfying the law. These ten camels were not a destruction to her. It was a gift to her because she was a virgin. She did not have sin. And she was able to give drink. She said, I will give drink to you and your ten camels. The second condition is to accept Eleazar as her Lord and follow him to Isaac. It was necessary, while people say that the Holy Spirit is a guest, a guest will not bring you to Christ. Only your Lord will bring you to, to Isaac if you will accept him as your Lord. But if you will sing, you are a guest from heaven, you are a guest from heaven, then your guest will never bring you anywhere. A guest will not be with you long. He's just going to spend one night for the sake of Rebecca to take her and will separate those that are of the flesh from those that are of the spirit. And so the second condition is to accept Eleazar as her Lord and follow him to Isaac. It was necessary in order to do this, what did Rebecca need to do? She needed to deny her nation, her house, and her soul that was interconnected to her nation and house. She said, will you, they asked her, will you go with us? She said, I will go. If you can imagine this young woman that loves her parents very much. And there's the groom. I remember that my daughter was, uh, a man offered his hand in marriage to her, and, and I said, if you love him, this person, and, and, and you're willing to leave us forever, then you can marry this man. If your love for us is greater than love for him, then this is not yours. Then you will come with us, and she went with us. And here she got married, and she died for her house. She right now communicates with a very different house, not a house in the flesh, but a house in the spirit. I'm not going to tell the entire story, but this is truly so, and... When a woman got married, it does not leave the house of her father, then this means that she does not love her husband. She has not denied her house. You can come and visit, but the husband needs to be the one that is head in the house. He needs to be first for you. We are all one family. This is wonderful and good, but I want us to understand what it means to be a wife because we are given rights just as 
Christ has. Christ also needed to forget the house of his father to, to receive his bride. The father said, if you love her, then you need to die for me. And he did die. He died for his father to be able to have us. And God then resurrected him and brought him into a house together with the bride. This is all an uh, example, symbolic. And so to inherit the promise to dress our mortal body into immortality according to the condition and so here on earth we're talking about here on earth we're not we're talking we're, there's a difference between the transformed body transfigured body and when he just dresses it into immortality there's, these are two different things two very big differences where the body is dressed into immortalities here on earth but when it's changed in the blink of an eye to be able to be taken into heaven it becomes just as the body of angels the body of the son of god when it's changed but when it is dressed into immortality it becomes as the first adam had because the first adam his body was immortal and he was not able to, he was not he wasn't supposed to age he was supposed to live forever sin interrupted this and so in order to inherit the promise to dress our mortal body into immortality according to the condition to deny your nation your house and your corrupt desires we conclude that by by itself blessing this blessing is partly a result of curse demonstrated in sanctification or separating ourselves from lawlessness that is also from the carriers of this lawlessness and impurity. Then Moses stood Exodus 32, 26-29. Then Moses <clears throat> stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side, and go in and out from entrance to entrance throughout the camp, and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. He said, Kill those who were clinging to the idol and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day then Moses said consecrate yourselves today to the Lord that he may bestow on you a blessing this day for every man has opposed a son and his brother how can we or when can we receive that blessing when can we dress our body into mortality when we will sanctify ourselves when we will separate ourselves our separate ourselves with those that are close to us that continue to be lawless, that continue to live as lawless people, that do not want to repent, that do sin and legalize sin and don't see anything wrong with that. For them, the house of God is just a passerbyer. They can e easily come in here or any other church that's not how it will be you can walk to from one church to another but if you entered here and then left you are then cursed if you go into any of these churches and you 
if you come out and they they will and you return there they will greet you again but if you've received the truth and then abandoned that truth forsook the truth then you have abandoned god and you are under curse and when you have ha, have received this here and left it, abandoned it, you won't find it elsewhere when it's already been given to you. And so he may bestow on you a blessing this day, for every man has opposed his son and his brother. Further, to bless the descendants of the covenant, casting off the old man with his deeds and dressing our mortal body into its new person, identified as the fruits of the tree of life, it is necessary to utilize the formula of the power of the word of God and drown the old man with his deeds in the waters of death. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth, while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the water returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained, but the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt, so the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Exodus 14, 26-31 We know that the symbol of the Egyptians is God had taken and placed Christ into death. The sea is a symbol of death, and he submerged them there. And so when he resurrected the body, he left this law of sin and death there in the waters. And this law of sin, if you remember, the Lithiathan, God gave him as food for the people, David, as a revelation, reveals the spiritual meaning because physically, to eat this lithiathin, because lithiathin doesn't actually exist, a physical lithiathin, but there is a spiritual lithiathin, and he, in the book of Job, God is fascinated by him. He's, I will not speak, uh, will not cease from speaking about his his greatness, and he 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 speaks highly about him. This lithiathin is a symbol of the law of Moses. There in the depths of the waters. And so when the Egyptians came in there, then these waters devoured them. And God gave this lithiathin. And so the, the wilderness is a symbol of communication with God's separation. This is not just a desert with sand. This is a, a open place where there's no civilization. And so God leads a person out. He separates him from the world to be able to become one with him. And so when a male the male child will be raptured, the chosen by God remnant, that will first will be put on immortality, and when they will be raptured, then the bride, the, the, the mother that will remain the woman, as Elijah had ca- uh, thrown his, his uh, 
his robe upon uh, Elisha, she will go into the wilderness and she'll be sanctified. And when she will truly become sanctified, the dragon will not be able to pursue her any longer. Any person, if he will perform a complete sanctification process, hell will not have any effect upon him. The fact that hell affects us is the reason for it is because a full form of sanctification hasn't yet occurred. As soon as the sanctification process is finished and we're fully sanctified, we can't do this alone without God, and God cannot do this without us. This is a collaborative effort between you and God in sanctifying yourself. Third, this word presented in the formula, now say, identified as the governing of the fear of the Lord, is called to identify power in the covenant of God to the right to sanctify by the method of condemning to death all Israelites that give their descendants to Malek. Again, you shall say to the children of Israel, whoever of the children of Israel or of the stranger who dwell in Israel who gives any of this descendants to Malek, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from his people because he has given some of his descendants to Malek to defile my sanctuary and profane my holy name. And if you people, if the people of the land shall, should in any way hide their eyes from the man when he gives some of his descendants to Malek and they do not kill him, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and they will cut off him off from his people and all who prostitute themselves with him to commit harlotry with Malek. Leviticus 22-5 If a person will not break his uh, connection with lawless men, Christian people who continue to behave lawlessly does not do not accept the law of God. They begin to uh, uh, speak of, of sinful things as if they're not sinful they legalize them you cannot uh, you have to break your relationship if a person just is sinning but he's suffering and repenting that's different but these are people we're talking about people who say that everything is good and many sins they legalized and legalizing is one but they also can them they begin to call uh, items that are defiling before God, items that are evil before God, as things that are good before God, or, or that's how they state that they are. So Malek is an idol that, in the opinion of its worshippers, was responsible for their materialistic success and was able to lead man out of poverty. This idol with outstretched arms, in whose hand was a cup or a goblet, was formed of copper and was empty inside. At the time of offering children, he was lit up with fire until he became white, and afterwards they, cast, they would cast their firstborn into the burning cup that was in his hand. And so why did parents do this? Why did they give their firstborn to Malek? They considered him God and that he is responsible for blessing, not the God of Israel. You, you uh, offend me when you say that he is responsible. God demanded the firstborn also to be given to him. If you pay attention, this Malek was a counterfeit. God also required the firstborn. But give the firstborn when we give, they need to die for us. But physically, we, they weren't being killed killed 
in the spiritual aspect, the fact the things that we give to God need to die for us. They're no longer ours, they're God's. If we gave it and are trying to then investigate, well, where are these, where's this money going? Where, where is he using the tithes? And I ask these people, where are your pastors uh, uh, directing their tithes? Why are you coming to me asking me these questions? Then they become quiet. You see what kind of question you're asking? Find me a church where the pastor would be actually telling you where he's sending them or using them. And if they are telling you, they often will deceive. They'll say this much was collected, this time amount was uh, was used for evangelism, this was for this, this was for this, and this was for this. There's not exact dates. It's just general, and people are happy. They don't understand that when people hear this. These people understand when they hear this. They're offering to God, stop being an offering. This offering did not die, die for them. You can't tell people how much and where. As soon as you begin to explain how much and where, it cannot die. It needs to die for this person that is giving it. This is why they considered that they needed to give their firstborn physically in or to Malek. God had a spiritual intention to die for your firstborn, and so the uh, interpretation was uh, was was false, and they worshipped then Malek, who they called God. They called uh, Malek as Yahweh. They they considered him as Yahweh. People who say today that we need to rebuke the spirit of poverty so that we may be wealthy, in this way they have replaced Yahweh for Malek, and they're giving the firstborn, the first is a tithe, the first fruits. They direct them and they give them so they may have materialistic prosperity and they have replaced Yahweh with Malek. The service to Yahweh, when it's given to Yahweh, the first is given or first fruits. In these first fruits, a person doesn't seek materialistic prosperity, he seeks God. And God takes upon himself the prerogative to bless a person, but this person, when he gives to God, he honors the Lord. He honors God. He says, do not appear before me empty-handed. God says, you need to find me. And the person needs to seek God. Fourth, this word presented in the formula, now say, identified as the governing of the fear of the Lord, is called to identify within the covenant of God what is forbidden keeping this person from defiling himself with the word or contact of the dead or with the dead. And in all that I have said to you, be circumspect and make no mention of the name of other gods, nor let it be heard from your mouth. Exodus 23.13 May not be heard from your mouth. For us to be dressed into immortality, our bodies to be dressed into mortality, we need to understand these things. What is forbidden, not what is not to be touched. Do not have contact with the dead or touch the dead. Come in contact with the dead. Not making mention of the name of other gods means not do not turn to them for help. When we turn to something for help that is not God, in this way we then 
uh, demonstrate that we believe that this is our hope and not God is our hope. And such gods first are the gifts of the Holy Spirit, anointing and blessing separate from the giver, the anointer and the one who blesses. And second is turning to your own intellect and religious experiences. This is making mention of names of other gods. When we choose the gifts of the Holy Spirit and anointing and blessing and we turn to them as gods, we begin to rely upon them, seek them. There are specific uh, circles that are formed where they teach these people not to seek God but to heal, how to heal people, how to learn to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit as if you can learn these things. This is not something you teach. This ha- the Holy Spirit comes uh, to you and you are for his use, who he wants and when he wants. He heals the one he wants and when he wants. And so absolutely you don't need to learn here. You don't need to learn to be obedient, <clears throat> to understand and hear. You just pray and present yourself as a tool to God and <clears throat> then God heals through you when he pleases and how he pleases. And people think that if they will be able to learn this, they can lay their hands and it will, he- and they and they and these people then lay their hands on dogs and cats and birds and cry that the Lord heal them. And when these animals receive healing, they come to the church and say, God has healed my my parakeet, my 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 mouse pet. Uh, what people are doing? Gifts of the Holy Spirit is not given for the animal world. They're given for men, for people, and the master of them is the Holy Spirit, the master of these gifts. <clears throat> defiling yourself <clears throat> because of contact with the dead or, or coming in contact with dead is communication and agreements made in a professional capacity with people that before live lived for God and afterwards died for God, falling away from his given and holy commandments. Again, it's communication and also uh, work agreements or in a professional capacity agreements made with people that pretty much uh, stepped away from God, turned away from God. Do not make agreements with people that have left the church. Even if you haven't immediately haven't become bankrupt, it'll happen later. The devil will play games for a while before this will happen. You receive this person, you make a a contract with this person, do not make contracts, let him go to another uh, because this this is having contact with something dead, and this will result in a in a, in a bankruptcy now or later. And the Lord said to Moses, "Speak to the priests, the sons of Aaron, and say to them, None shall defile himself for the dead among his people." Leviticus twenty one one. And so, defiling yourself by having contact with dead is supporting with your materialistic means dead uh, institutions, religious institutions. Institutions. When you have finished laying aside all the tithe of your increase in the third year, aside from uh, separating your tithe every every time there was an income, they also would lay aside a tithe of their increase in the third year, the year of tithing, and having given to the Le- Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within their gates and be filled. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed holy tithe from my house, and also have given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandments you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not 
not eaten any of it when in mourning, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed your voice the voice of the Lord God, and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitations from heaven and bless your people Israel, the land which you have given, just as you swore your, to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. Deuteronomy 26, 12-15. And so we've talked about who these, uh, the Levite stranger and fatherless and widowed. This is a chosen by God remnant, is a symbol of the church. Uh, to identify whether it's truly the church, we need to ident- uh, determine whether it's a Levite, if this church is a stranger, if this church is a fatherless. A person who's a stranger is one who has died for his nation. Fatherless person is one who has died for his house. And the widow is one who has died for himself. May sin not rule within your body. And so when you die for all of these things, the chosen by God remnant where this gospel is preached the correct the the full truth is preached that's where you need to be giving your tithe if it's not preached then these things are not being preached then you're giving to dead institutions fifth the word presented in the formula let it be is identified again in the governing of the fear of the Lord is called to identify the covenant of God in the oath that God made to those who fear him. As soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south, fell on his face to the ground, and bowed down three times, and they kissed one another, and they wept together, but David more so. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. 1 Samuel 20, 41-42 May the Lord be between you and me. These kinds of oaths, promises, these are the kind of things need to be said between a husband and a wife and a wife to a husband. If the Lord will be between us, then there will be peace between us. The devil will not, you need to make a promise, an oath. May the Lord be between you and me. It is important that we use these words. May it be or let it be. May it be according to your word. Let it be according to your word. This is very interesting, an interesting formula. Six, the word presented in the formula, let it be, identified in the governing of the fear of the Lord, is called to identify in the covenant of God, uh, God's oaths. And the oaths consist in not doing evil against the anointed. Then the men of David said to him, This is the day of which which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Now it happened after that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this, this thing to my master the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. 1 Samuel 24, 4-6 If the anointed of God behaves unfaithfully and begins to use his power incorrectly, and instead of protecting you, he begins to curse you, and you are afraid of him, present this to God. Let God do the work. He is anointed of God. Do not raise your hand against him. Do not take and 
Open up what you see. Say, I know what this person is doing, even if you saw something. Conceal these things. Cover them if you want to stay alive or remain alive spiritually. Because what does it mean to raise your hand? That is say, I saw him here and here. I saw him do this and this. Of course, there is a lot of uh, criticism against, but if truly the anointed had sinned, God does not want us to uh, tell this to other people. He wants us to allow God to judge in the situation so that God protect, because the son of this anointed will come and make a covenant with you and help you. But I rarely have met that true anointed of God would raise their hand I rarely have met anointed, any anointed of God people, pastors. I have met them, but not a lot. Seventh, the word presented in the formula, let it be, identified by the governing of the fear of the Lord, is also included in the uh, requests and prayer that we make. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen his people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them. God says to Moses, so that Moses let him, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. Then Moses pleaded with the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does your wrath burn hot against your people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians speak and say he brought them out to, to harm them, to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and relent from this harm to your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self and said to them, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of I give to your descendants and they shall inherit it forever. So the Lord relented from the harm which he said he would do to his people. Exodus 32, 9-14. And so the Lord turned away with his anger upon one condition. And so when the nation was uh, worshipping the idol, if you remember, God told them, gave him conditions, I will, I will turn my anger away from them. So he cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. Then Moses rose early in the morning and went up to Sinai, as the Lord had commanded him, and he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the ch third and fourth generation. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Then he said, 
If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are stiff-necked people, pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant before all your people. I will do marvelous things, marvelous such things as I have not yet been done on earth, nor in any nation, and all people among whom you are, you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out from before you the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, and the Hevite, and the Jebusite. Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. But you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and cut down their wooden images. For you shall worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous god. Let you, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they play the harlot with their gods and make sacrifice to their gods and one of them invites you and you eat of his sacrifice and you take of his daughters for your sons and his daughters play the harlot with their gods and make your sons play the harlot with their gods you shall make no molded gods for yourselves the feast of unleavened bread you shall keep seven days you shall eat unleavened bread as I commanded you in the appointed time of the month of Abib for in the month of Abib you came out from Egypt all that all that open the womb are mine and every male firstborn among your livestock whether ox or sheep but the firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb and if you will not redeem him then you shall break his neck all the firstborn of your sons you shall redeem he needed to fulfill all of these things so that and none shall appear before me empty handed six days you shall work but on the seventh day you shall rest in plowing time and in harvest you shall rest and you shall observe the feast of weeks of the first fruits of wheat harvest and the feast of in gathering at the year's end three times in the year all your men shall appear before the Lord the Lord God of Israel for I will cast out the nations before you and enlarge your border neither will any man covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in the year you shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with le with leaven, nor shall the sacrifice of the feast of the Passover be left until morning. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write these words for for according to the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with you and with Israel so he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights he neither ate bread nor drank water and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant the Ten Commandments Exodus 34 4 through 28 considering that our time is up right now we will bend our knees however who is comfortable to pray and we will pray and may the Lord bless us for the word that we were able to hear today Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ we worship before you again and again upon this blessed place that you have appointed so that we may worship you here meet with you here and get to know you here not looking at the fact that you live in our heart but when we come to this place as your church then you also are able to reveal something and show your power in your house because you from long before had decided that your people will be your remnant you created the body of a person so that you can live eternally in that body this was the great mystery 
this was the mystery for angels and was also jealousy in the evil one. That is why he tempted the first man and led him into sin. He did this, but you showed him mercy as this sin was not within his heart and it came from outside as a stranger. And so you presented your truth to him from above and he accepted his forgiveness freely by grace and the redemption that is in Jesus Christ and you dressed him into the death of your son in these clothes of animal skins so that it would be for him as a testimony of the covenant that you had released his sins and cast them into hell. We thank you that you continue to be patient with us and be long-suffering with us, not looking at the fact that we fall again and again, but we rise again before you. We confess our sins. We hate the sins that were committed. We believe that finally you will bring every one of us to complete liberation from those sins when each of us will step upon the neck of sin and our old man and will chop him off the head of this old man with a sword and die by the law for the law. We thank you that you presented to us in this law the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are crucified to the world and the world to us to live for you who died and resurrected. We thank you that the day is coming, it's coming near for the fulfillment of your glorious promise that for thousands of years you were waiting for. This was the concluding and triumphant accord for your people to dress their mortal body into their new person in the present time. And a person needs to grow this in his heart, grow it from a seed of the truth, from the seed of the promise that you give. You gave us the seed of the promise, we have received it, and we grow it every one of us in different measure and different levels this plant is growing in the midst of a dry land I believe that you gave this plant and you will keep it within the hearts of those who fear you because the devil continues to <clears throat> to make try to make them afraid that they will not uh, reach their goal He's always turning their attention to their character, showing them that they are not in accordance to the demands of your word. Allow them not to pay attention to proclaim themselves perfect in Jesus Christ. Not pay attention to their character because you receive what we confess according to your word. We've received your perfection. We have received your justification. And we will confess that promise that you have placed into our heart. We have received it gladly, saying, may it be according to your word. And so may your inheritance be grown and may it bear fruit in the tree of life. To, so that the life of your son Jesus Christ and his resurrection in these last times would show all who live on earth in hell and in heaven also because when this will happen this will become known not just on earth all of the angels of the Lord in heaven will be 
in awe. There will be great worship to God and praise to God in the heavens and on earth and in hell. This also will be known, and they will also see this as that wealthy man from hell saw Lazarus upon the bosom of Abraham. He, this wealthy man, lived in his bliss and looked at his brother lowly and considered him bound by spirit of poverty, but the time came for judgment, and you will do this. You said that you will bring the people who say of themselves they're Jews, but they're not so. They deceive. They're a gathering of Satan or synagogue of Satan. They will come and bow at your feet, at the feet of your people, and they will know that I, that you have loved them. These people, when you will dress your remnant into immortality, this will be that sign and that testimony. This will be that great light. This will be a great wisdom. This will be a great uh, work that you will do here on earth in the aspect of time, in the present time. This will make the entire surrounding religious and political world, they'll make it will make them afraid. And these people will not be able to be touched. They will live eternally. And in the moment of the, of rapture, the body will be transformed in the blink of an eye. And this remnant, this remainder, will then meet the Lord upon the clouds. And they will be with the Lord forever. We thank you, Father, for this promise that we have received, that we value greatly, greater than any wealth that we keep, that we focus upon keep our eyes upon that we continually meditate about and talk about may this happen this fruit may it grow may this plant grow and bear fruit in full measure so that you may be glorified and find your peace in us we worship before you our god great god son and holy spirit amen our father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen And now, all together, let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.